What is up, guys? Welcome to Evil Pudding. This is Patrick, and joined, as always, by my lovely co-host, wife, and our storyteller, Courtney. Hello. Uh, yeah, we just threw y'all all off, because I never intro us. See, I told y'all Surprise. last episode, I'm getting promotions around here. I'm getting, I'm allowed to talk and do more things. <laughs> yeah, so... Uh, if y'all haven't listened to part one, go back and do that because this ain't going to make no sense. Yeah, so this is its a good point. We are doing part two mm-hmm. um, of the Butcher Baker, yeah. which is, you know, we did part one, obviously. Um, like Courtney said, go listen to it if you haven't because you'd be kind of lost. Uh, this is actually a movie was made about this. It was fairly popular. It mm-hmm. was called uh, Frozen Ground. Super great movie. Nicolas Cage. Vanessa uh, Hudgens. Vanessa Hudgens and... John Cusack. John Cusack. Yeah. And I say that because you might understand the end of this part two because a lot of that is portrayed as the really end of his story. So you could probably listen to part two. You just wouldn't know some of it just because if you've seen the movie, you can understand. That's all I was throwing that out there. It was a great movie. And I mean, like I, Pat and I were talking before we hit record and it is very dramatized. So when he was like, I can't wait till you get to the part of da 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 Yeah, I was talking about like, part that of the movie. I was like, happened. that was like one of my favorite parts about how awesome it never this was. Happened, she was like, that babe. didn't happen. And I was like, damn you, Hollywood. I know. Well, they, they take lots of liberties, right? Fucking ruined my, my happy moment in the movie. <laughs> they take liberties for sure. And we know to they do. The drama, but I mean, it's a two-hour movie about worry. one girl he killed. It's good. But he didn't even kill her. No, he didn't. She survived. She's a bad bitch. Yeah. So it's about the whole movie is about one person of his... You covered it the first one. What was it? 17 murders and 30 rapes that we know of? Yeah, definitely more murders. But yeah, 17 that he... He was, he was confessed or convicted He confessed of. to. He confessed he confi- to. He confessed all 17? Yeah. We know. We talked about in episode one. There was at least one other one that was way too damn coincidental. And early in 1971. Because he wasn't apprehended till the 80s. So it was in 71... So it had to have been him. It had to. It was after his first attempt. She was hunted. His, yeah. After his first attempted kidnapping, mm-hmm. she was hunted, and then she. I mean, it was done almost similarly to every one of his other murders, even the ones you covered, except you can see the esca- the the pattern of improvement of escalation. I hate to, for I hate sure. to say improvement, but his his escalation. Well, it's not even escalation. He's, he's getting like, better at he's, his. He's improving at his at his trade. His task at hand. Yeah. He's, he's definitely improving. I just don't like using that one. I'm talking about murder. Well, he's a hunter. And, you know, just like he improved his skills being a hunter, he's improving his skills hunting women. And well, he's still being super a hunter. Sick. He's still being a hunter. Super sick. Super sad. Because you, But you even mentioned, I mean, you know, he's he's hunting these um, uh, sex workers, hookers, basically. And Be- he's, he, Because. He looks down on them. And he can get away with it. Well, because he, the cops one, aren't going to believe him. One, obviously, they're not going to be believed. No mm-hmm. one's going to miss them. He also, he's, we mentioned it in part one, if you missed it, he actually, like, he says that he thinks they're less than him. I, I want you to thank me because I was about, I was this close. I was laying in bed the other night reading this whole, like, dissertation that the FBI uses, on, uh, their behavioral science unit uses on why serial killers target sex workers. And it was the most interesting thing. If, I, I bet there's probably a million it, reasons. Yeah, and I, I know it would bore the crap out of y'all, but I mean... It really is interesting. Um, but just to kind of give you a quick recap, I can't go through all of what we went through, but the killings did begin. He he let a few girls go after he raped them. He was even arrested for one of their rapes and abduction. He got off because the judge and well, he, legal system sucks. He was, no, he was found guilty and he was let out after a couple months. 
five years in prison and three years, three, three months, months and he was out and he was out. Yeah. And then he got out and he started killing. We have a Kletna Annie, the unnamed woman. Mm-hmm. Um, then we have Joanne Messina. Her body was fat. He actually liked her. He wanted to date her, but found out that, you know, she wanted, well, she basically offered, him she needed sex money. money. She offered him sex for money. Yeah. She needed money to get back home and he killed her and they found her. Oh, he so, killed her dog, too. And he killed her dog. And buried it or left it with her. What does it say about me that I agree I'm more upset about the dog? And I hate to say that, but if you kill a dog, it's just like, it's, man. There's an evilness to killing a dog. Well, most yeah, dogs, are, you think of that? as like, are two dogs that run around the house. You don't like, they're sweet dogs. Like, why would you kill them? Why would you kill them? It's just so out there. But so that's kind of, we left off at uh, Joanne Messina. The cops did find her. Uh, what a year later. So it's her body had been there, a while, uh, been there a while. It's no secret that the Anchorage PD, like we have said, they have just been dropping the ball. They aren't listening to victims, and they are turning a blind eye to suddenly this high rise in numbers of missing girls. To put it in context, around this time in Anchorage, three to four girls per month were going missing. That's a lot. Yeah, and it all started after this dude was convicted of kidnapping and raping. Like, put the pieces together. <laughs> and was let out of prison, and all of a sudden it's escalating. It keeps on happening, and they're like, hmm. And he keeps getting brought up, too. Like, people keep mentioning him, and they're like, oh, no, he's nice. I I think it was around this time that he had his own bakery. but And the cops would come in, and he would give them free coffees and yeah, free pastries. Yeah, he like two bakeries or something like that. Uh, yeah, eventually he would have two bakeries. Um We'll see how we got those. But um, the cops would come in and shoot the shit with them, and he'd give them free pastries. And Probably give them free turned, pastries, free donuts, free coffee. He was just this nice little guy. He was only five foot six. I was seeing, and he had a stutter, and yeah, which also was very unassuming. I was about to say, which you, I'm glad you said unassuming because I was literally about to say that. I'm like, we're thinking about all the times he gets let out of court. Mm-hmm. We're not talking about a six foot four, two hundred and seventy five pound man. No, he was very. That's, that's very frightening. And we'll he post stutters. pictures of him. He's got a horrible stutter. He's got acne scars. And Christy, not Christy foot, Hayes, but some one of the girls described him as the quintessential dork. Yeah, quintessential dork. So the acne scars we talked about. We talked about the horrible stutter. Yeah. Um, he can't even talk to people to begin with, and then he's five foot six. And yeah, like, probably like hundred buck fifty something. Yep. What? If that? He, he's probably the least dangerous looking dude on the planet. Is my point. Initially, it was believed that none of these girls were connected. Hard to believe, but the reason that the reason the cops thought that was because in the sex industry, women tend to live a fairly nomadic lifestyle. like, And they also keep distances oh, talking, from law about, enforcement. Like you're talking about the killers. You're talking about all the girls that are missing. The girls that are missing. like, may, I, they, it, didn't, it wasn't thought that they were all connected. No, no. And I, even to the murders. Because they were all They're kind of a workers. transient life. They come here and you hear the They're one very girl, nomadic. Yeah. yeah. They come in, they come out, they come in, they come out. They make some money, they leave. There's money happening in Alaska, so they're here for a time. You know, and they might leave and nobody knows. They live well, off so that the radar. You talked about how the oil had come in there. Yep. And if anybody's from oil towns, you know the kind of money that flows through. Absolutely. When and they're that, drilling that's, or where they're out. That's what those girls were, you know, trying to profit off of. But that's what exactly. That's why it was such a booming business with strip clubs and, and hookers up there. Mm-hmm. There's tons of these guys are coming up there working. They're probably from, you know, Texas or Washington. They're from yeah. they're, they're, well, they're we're not, 48. Yeah, they're not from there. It's just like we see here in Texas all the time. People just come out here and they work, what, two, three weeks on? And sometimes a couple home. months on. Yeah. So they're out there with money to blow. But in the summer of 1980, um, when Akletna Annie was found, remember her, the unnamed girl? Yep. 
it certainly seemed to line up with the remains of Joanne Messina. They kind of put the pieces together. Maybe those were connected. The list of missing women on Anchorage's uh, PD's desk, up until this point at least, was as follows. And they all deserve to be mentioned, so I'm going to mention them. 40-year-old Lisa Fattrell, she was finishing her dancing shift at the Alaskan Bush Club, and she left to meet a man in September. Um, It was in September, sorry, that Lisa was reported missing by her roommate. Unfortunately, Lisa had ties to the mob, and it was thought that her disappearance might have been linked to that, so cops didn't take it seriously. Of course not. Then there would be Molly Casey, Michelle Strong, and Maria Schmidt. All three young women were dancers at the Wild Cherry Club, and they went missing that February, though not on the same day, but in the same month. That The summer of that year, Malai Larson, she was a masseuse at a club in town. She would also go missing. There were a few fellow cops who supported the theory that a serial killer was responsible for these deaths and disappearances because every victim had one thing in common— They all left to meet a stranger, all of them, and they all had never come back. Now, don't expect cops to do too terribly much about this just yet. They're not going to do a lot with this information. Remember, these are sex workers, and there's no need to be hasty from their perspective. It's just they're lying because they're getting ripped off. Yeah, it's so aggravating. I'm being sarcastic, by the way. It's so aggravating. But on November 17th, that's my birthday. Yet another dancer from the Wild Cherry Club would see, meet okay. a terrifying end. I was going to say, see, that that's a horrible name compared to the other Wild one. Wild Cherry? I like the Alaskan, Alaskan Bush Alaskan Company. Alaskan Bush Club for a top company, loser strip club yeah. is way better than the Wild Cherry. I'm it's a saying. phenomenal name. It took me a while to be like, oh, Bush, that Bush. Yeah, the, the Bush. <laughs> you got it right away. <laughs> 23-year-old 23 Sherry Morrow left her, she left, she told her roommate, that she was going to meet a guy, a stranger, and she mentioned he has a really bad stutter. This man had apparently offered Sherry $300 to take a few nude pictures of her, and she agreed. That's good money. That's really good money. She left her apartment, and she went to meet this man at a nearby cafe. At the cafe, Sherry got into the man's car where he made her kneel onto the floorboard at gunpoint on the passenger side. He handcuffed her, blindfolded her with ace bandages before making the long drive to Nick River. Sorry, Knick River is how it's pronounced. I'm sorry. I looked it up. So ace bandages around her eyes. He had what he had. He wasn't going to buy anything else to make himself look suspicious. Yeah. Um, When they reached the riverbed, he pulled her out of the car as she started to scream. Like a Kletna Annie and so many others, Sherry fought back. We know that pisses Hanson off. He demands compliance. So he immediately struck her over the head and then shot her. Hanson dug a shallow grave and dumped her near the Knick River. But before he left, he took her beloved arrowhead necklace with him as a trophy. Hold on to that. Mm-hmm. Sherry Morrow became another picture pinned on the Anchorage, Anchorage PD's board of missing women. So sad. Also, I want to kind of go back to the ace bandages. I can't remember if I said this at the end or not in my notes, but he said that he did that with with women because he never had any intention of killing women. It was the women's fault because they were out of control that he killed them. 
But the reason he blindfolded them because he didn't want to see them to see the area he was taking them because he wanted to bring future victims out there. And he had every intention of letting these girls go. He's a good guy, okay? He has morals. It was these women. It was their fault. I believe none of that except that he didn't want them to know where they were going in case they got away. Exactly. Then there was um, Andrea Altieri. Andrea Altieri was known by her close friends as Fish. That was her nickname. That makes sense. They had even bought her a gold uh, custom fish charm that she wore around her neck. Andrea told her roommate, Royale de Clossa, that she had a date, and she left their apartment to meet this stranger at Boniface Mall, which was nearby. Andrea would take a cab to the mall, but of course she would end up in Bob Hansen's car, blindfolded and handcuffed like so many others, while he drove her to the Knick River like so many others, the same place where he killed Cherry Morrow. Bob stopped the car at the Knick River, River Bridge, where he later confessed to raping Andrea there. By the way, this pig would never say her name during questioning after he was captured. He only would refer to her as the big-breasted woman. He's a literal disgusting. Even after all is said and done to cops, he's like, oh, the big-breasted woman. That's who you're talking about? Just sick. You just want to, oh. Anyways, after the assault, Andrea asked if she could get some privacy to go pee. He agreed, and uh, he walked out with her for a bit, leaving his gun on the hood of the car. Mm. On the way, she darted back to the hood to grab the gun, but he beat her to it. Andrea fought like hell, scratching him and swinging, which of course made Hanson irate, so he just shot her point blank. Then he loaded her body into a duffel bag, filled it with gravel, and heaved her over the side of the bridge into the Knick River. And her body would never be found still to this day. He kept all of her belongings, all of them, her clothes, everything, including her golden fish charm as his trophies, which is, again, a very common behavior amongst serial killers, taking trophies from their victims to relive the event, relishing in the control that they had. It's sick, but we're going to see this behavior in many more serial killers that we'll cover in the future. They like their trophies. Yeah, but to me, it's kind of weird with him. Mm-hmm. I just, I'm thinking about this as you're talking Everything's about Everything's weird with him. Oh, you're right. Almost every serial killer keeps a trophy, right? But his isn't so much about... To me, it's not so much about him keeping trophies as a killer. He he looks down at these sex workers as below human. Like mm-hmm. anim, animals, basically. Animals that he's hunting. And he's Well, he looks at them as animals because he's, he's said they're below me. So if they're getting paid for this shit, they're below me. You're nothing. He looks at them as he's hunting. He's like a hunter. And what so, do you do with the prey that you catch? You mount their heads on the wall. Yeah, I guess that's true. I guess I'm just thinking of it as the fact that, like, I don't even think he had that high of a regard for him as a person. Too. Oh yeah, I mean, maybe his, even lower than the animals. His mind's pretty easy to catch on to, obviously, right? Like he thinks they're lower to him. That's how either yeah. that's how he first justified it mm-hmm. in his head. Like maybe. they're hookers, so they're lower than me. They're animals, or maybe that's just how he thinks. But. I will say that I'm actually happy that I can't understand him. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't been able to understand any of them to this point. From yeah, he, he's just an anomaly. He's fascinating. Even Ted, I can't understand. Well, yeah. No one can understand. No Ted. one can understand. He reminds me um, of somebody that we will cover in the future that will probably be like an eight-parter. And he reminds me a lot of BTK. Eight-part? I did not sign up for an eight-part BTK <laughs> series. Oh, BTK is my least favorite serial killer, but he, de- he deserves eight parts. So 
More disappearances would take place in the upcoming months, as you can imagine. Mm -hmm. In May 1982, Bob approached Sue Luna at the Good Times Lounge and offered her $300 to take nude pictures of her, something we've seen him do before. (laughs) She agreed to meet Hanson on the 26th at Alice's 210 restaurant, where she was seen by witnesses leaving with a man in his Pontiac. Sue would never be seen or heard from again. He's, it's kind of interesting that he's now doing this $300 yeah. for pictures because he's escalating, right? He's escalating. And people so, don't talk. So at first, crazy. it was what it was, he was just grabbing people. Yeah. Then he was mad at women that would offer themselves for money. Yeah. But that was probably taking too long since we've talked about how unassuming and weird dorky this dude is. Yeah. So now he's not offering up sex, which would be offensive. He's like, I'm going to take new pictures. I'm an artist. Um, yeah, I'm a photographer. Oh, you'll take the money for this? Yeah. Okay. You're a piece of shit. Exactly. So he's escalating it because now he can do it on his terms rather than waiting for it to happen to him. Right. Absolutely. And what what gets me is, you know, he is, like with Ted Bundy, we saw he was nomadic. He moved from state to state as so nobody would ever catch on. Yeah, but this guy This guy stays in the same city, goes to the same clubs and bars, and abducts the same type of women. Yeah, but he doesn't need to because, to be honest with you, half of the people he's killed can't be identified or found yet. True. Or to this day. To this day, half of them haven't been identified or found. I would still think that he would be like, maybe I should go somewhere else. <laughs> Why? He's, he's I know, no, like, I know. They can't, put, they can't pin them it's all together. It's shocking to me. Apparently, the police in Anchorage are absolute morons. They are morons. can't tie anything together. And then he's got a whole bunch that are un- yeah. that no, haven't been found or no one can identify. So like, he's like, I'm on top of the world. I don't to go anywhere. He is. And he has the perfect means to bury them because he has a bush plane. And, and he's, he's his ego... He's better than everybody. Yep. He's almost got that Ted he's Bundy complex. He's narcissistic. Yeah, he's got that Ted Bundy complex. And the then um, he knows that everyone in town thinks of him as this nice guy. Yep. He like, has he it going for him. He hasn't ruined that reputation, so why would he leave? He wouldn't leave until that reputation is shit on. A few months later, 19-year-old uh, T- Tamara uh, Tammy Peterson also went missing. Tammy had come to Anchorage from Seattle and was supposed to return home, but she never did. Her mother was worried sick and was hounding the police to help find her daughter. Unfortunately, Tammy's body would not be found until after Bob was apprehended years later. Or, not years later, but... It's a few years later. Um, and he would give up her location, so she didn't know. This is scary, just keeping Tammy's mom in mind. Right after Tammy went missing... A body was found. A group of hunters noticed something strange piled high in the snow, like snow piled in a mound, and obviously it looked like something was buried there. So they curiously kind of just began to dig until they found a woman's light blue jacket, and then they were hit with this smell, unmistakable smell of death. God, it is a smell that I hope no people have to, no one has to smell in their I life. Can't, Especially, I've never smelled it. Don't want to. Not just death. The smell of... Decay. Like, decay and mm-hmm. lingering death. Like, that is just so awful. these boys were smart. They abandoned the cause, and they reported their findings to state troopers. That's what you troopers. do. Like, Shit. Yeah. Oh, this is bad. This is bad. Let me get the cops. So, the troopers uncovered skeletal remains of a blonde woman with ace bandages wrapped around the skull, where her eyes would be, would have been. Mm-hmm. It was obvious that the woman had been shot to death by... Uh, the shell casing that they found from a high-powered rifle found near the body. Mm. 
Tammy's parents held their breath thinking that this could be their daughter, but it was not. It was the body of Sherry Morrow. Remember the girl that he first used the ace bandages on? Mm-hmm. She had been missing for a year at this point. So that body had been there for a year. So while police were slowly starting, slowly, very slowly starting to come to the realization that they have a serial killer on their hands. <laughs> like 27 people are missing right now. 13 like, years later and they're like, you know what? This may be the same guy. This might be a bad thing. There's like 30 people missing over the last decade. Yep. Because young hunters. women going missing, bodies being dumped in the Alaskan wilderness. Bob Hansen was keeping pretty busy. In April of 1983, he met 31-year-old Paula Golding at the Great Alaskan Bush Company. There it is. <laughs> and, of course, he offered her $300 for nude pictures. This time, Hansen escalated things. Once he had Paula alone, he forced her at gunpoint into his bush plane and flew her towards the Kinnick River. And if y'all missed part one, he had purchased a little bush plane, one little, engine, a little one single super thought, cub, super cub. It's like a mm-hmm. four person or two person two plane. Person. Really, they call it a bush plane. I think I don't know if it's the manufacturer, but a lot of times it's because that's it's the kind used of, in hunting. Well, they can land it in small bush. Yeah, I think that's why they call it a bush plane. Yep. So he purchased a bush plane for hunting. If and not, I'm just fucking not for stupid. animals. No, I think I think you're right. Actually, not familiar with my aircraft. But. Yeah, no, no, clearly <laughs> not either. So I just. <laughs> Once they landed, um, she fought him. They were at the Kinnick River again, his favorite. She was fighting him hard. She knew exactly what was coming. He simply shot her in the head as punishment. Later, he said, "Mm, I had to shoot her before I even got the chance to enjoy her. (laughs) Jesus. See, those kind of comments, like... He honestly is, oh, he thinks he's better than these animals. Every, oh, he's so narcissistic. He oozes narcissism. But with all of his victims and the sex workers and, you know, offering them from, to get nude for money is the same to him as a sex worker. He despises them. They're animals. Remember after his first arrest, arrest when the psychologist said, oh, he's bipolar. Now do you see why I'm like, yeah, there's more going on than that. <laughs> he's not, yeah, he's not. But also, he was diagnosed with bipolar in the 70s. Yeah. yeah. Which, at, uh, at, I don't know, really trust him. Uh, would they, I don't even think they had a DSM version back then. No, not to fit him, that's for sure. So soon after he, uh, after Paula, he lured 26-year-old Angela Fettern, a dancer from Murphy's Law Bar, under the guise of being a wealthy doctor, willing to pay her a lot of money. They got some good bar. I keep jumping. I liked in. Murphy's Law. I like that name. They have some good bar names. What comes like? What's going to happen will happen. Like what bad can happen will happen. Is yeah. an awesome name for a bar. It is without saying that. Well, it was a topless bar, but yeah. Absolutely. But I'm saying what what's bad will happen here. Like it's very true. Good marketing. The only thing they did good in Alaska at this time was name balls. Good marketing. They didn't do police work. They didn't say, hey, that guy's a killer. No, they didn't. They had but good he, names for topless balls. They had good marketing for the um, everywhere on 4th Street. For the strip clubs and the hooker houses, yeah. <laughs> so Angela Fettern, um, once he had her alone, he then, like Paula, forced her onto his plane, and he flew her to Figure 8 Lake. After assaulting her, he made her run so that he could hunt her like an animal finally burying her body in the snow. I do want to go ahead and say that I don't know if this happened with her, but when he was confessing, he said that there were times that he would bring these girls so far out into the wilderness, and he wouldn't just say, get out and run, and then shoot them. It would be, 
like a day long event. He said sometimes it would be days that he would make them hide, and he just loved it. He loved to torture them like that. He was he was hunting he was hunting animals. Yeah, he was he was hunting. So, but imagine being those girls, and it's not like a quick death. This is like a two or three day ordeal. Just pure. You just been assaulted, raped, beaten, kidnapped. No one can hear you scream. You you're can scream all the nowhere. No one's gonna hear like you. Like a nightmare people have all the time, right? Yeah. Being somewhere where no one can hear you and you're screaming. He knows life. the grounds. They don't. Then they're they're naked, probably. They're naked. And they are running for their lives in the Alaskan wilderness. That is horrific. The pathology behind this behavior is absolutely astounding to me. To go from hunting wild game to killing women, then to making the women act like the wild game. Like, there just seems to be no end to the depravity of this freak. What's more, Hansen kept, oh, Hansen kept an aviation map on him. Like, on his person at all times. The map was covered in X's. I'm sure you can guess what each of those X's represented. Do you want to take a hack at it? No. I mean, we've, we talked about the movie, right? And I'm glad that that was a real thing. Cause one of the, that was a real thing. One of the craziest things in the movie was when the detective... Found the map. Found the map. And he was like, bingo, we hit the jackpot. Because they're only looking for one girl at that point. Mm-hmm. They're looking for one specific person in that movie. Obviously, they had all these other missing people in the movie, but... They're looking for the one girl, and they're like, we got a map. And he's like, what are all these X's? And he was like, the cop was like, holy shit. Yeah, they had no idea what holy they had on shit. their hands. That's what these X's are. I think that was a little dramatized. Dr- oh, dramatized, yeah, it, was. it was a movie. But dramatized. But just, I could think, I could think <laughs> about it. You know, from my from my cop brain. Like, if I arrested yeah. a dude, and I'm like, I got you, mother. For that one I, I person. I got you for this missing person. Yeah. And I open your map. And, and I've got a 20 board X's. of 20 missing, 20 to 30 missing girls, and there's 20 30, 40 X's on a map. I'm like, holy shit. Yeah. You, like, what did wow. I just find? Yeah. It's something else. I can't imagine. Like, the amount. Yeah, I couldn't even imagine. Like, the, I'm, like, getting excited almost in my brain. Like, just. The, being the, a cop. Being a cop. and the, That's what I'm saying. From the cop's point of view, when you see this, you're like, what the fuck do I do with this? I know. What do I do with this? <laughs> After um, uh, Angela. The same fate would become Teresa Watson. She was legally blind, and she was working at one of the clubs on 4th Avenue that Hanson frequented. Her grave in the wilderness uh, near Scenic Lake would become another X on Hanson's map. And that's terrifying because she probably was told to run, and she's legally blind and can't see. And he just toyed with her with that. It's just disgusting, this guy. He's like the most fucked up Dora the Explorer ever. Dora, I don't, with his map. How do you compare this dude to Vor, Dora? Because he has Ford. a map. Is he a backpack, backpack? As he's like, <laughs> yes. they're running through the woods. He's like, backpack, backpack. He does. Swiper, no swipey. That's where they got the idea for Dora. I highly doubt that. It's if they did, holy shit. <laughs> that's right up there with the rumor that Mr. Rogers has the most confirmed kills in Vietnam. I thought that was true. That's not real. Oh, well. Thanks, dream killer. I thought that was real. (laughs) Anyways. So, although Hanson was busy, he was bored. He was super bored. That's one pattern we're going to see with him. And I said this in part one. He can satiate himself for a while, and then he has to escalate and do something crazy. That's every killer. He, yeah, he hops from one thing to another, and that's actually typical psychopathic, sociopathic. Yeah, that's every serial killer we've covered you know, there are times, like, even Ted. Yeah. You know, it starts out two years, three years, and then they do it a year, and then it's every couple of years, and then it's like, well, you know, every six months I got to do this, and they just can't feed the urge. No, they can't. It never is enough. He convinced his wife, remember, she's married, 
Darla. Yeah, he's been married his whole time. He convinced his wife to take his child on like a mother-daughter trip to Austria. And da- Darla loved that idea, especially since she had family that lived um, near there. So, and they hadn't yet met her child. So this was perfect. She'd be gone for the summer. So before long, Hansen had the house to himself. So what does he do? Fucking killing spree. You didn't see this one coming. He puts a singles ad in the paper searching for companionship. <laughs> like actually wanted, he was lonely and really wanted like to connect with someone. Well, that makes sense because him and his wife have been pretty much estranged. Estranged. Like so, they're still married and they were still like fine with each other, but they barely saw each other. Let me read to you what his ad said verbatim in the paper. <clears throat> Adventurous male, 42, 5'11", that's a lie, 165 pounds, that's a lie, looking for a lady, proud to be a woman, to share sincere, honest attachment, must like to dance and enjoy social life, willing to put on jeans, join me in finding what's around the next bin, over the next hill, enjoy flying own plane, Beachcombing, fishing, camping. Life is much fuller if shared. Send recent photo. And he attached a photo of himself. (sighs) And surprisingly, he got around 30 responses. And I say surprisingly only knowing what I know about him. But he wasn't like a hideous guy. He was just a nerdy little derpy guy. I just know that he's a prolific serial sex killer yeah, and if you he read hates that, women, so that takes him down a few notches on the hotness scale. If you read that ad, you're like, <laughs> okay, fine. That sounds like a decent guy. A decent guy. Like he wants her he's to be not, a respectable woman, yeah. but be able to, he's, when he says willing to put on jeans, that tells you he wants them to be this proud, respectable woman back then that's probably still in that nuclear family style, like women don't wear pants kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, exactly. So being able to put jeans on, go outdoors, heck, sporting, it sounds great to a woman probably. Like, oh, he sounds like a good, adventurous guy. He sounds like a good woman that's willing to just have fun with him and, and you know what I mean? Like, he seems harmless. Yeah, it? yeah. Uh, he looks harmless when you see his picture. Anywho, Robert found one woman that he liked a lot out of his 30 choices. Her name was Karen O'Leary. Get this. <laughs> she actually worked for the Alaskan State Troopers office. And it's not the first time we've seen that. And I'm not sure... If this was intentional or on his part or not, I don't have. He or didn't it just say. Out that way. Yeah, he didn't. He did seem to like her quite a bit, though. I'll say that he respected her, which is a big thing with him. The but two he knew what she did. Yeah, he knew what she did uh, after at least after the first yeah, yeah. encounter. The two went on a few dates and they went dancing together, and she even went to his house and she saw all of his hunting trophies hanging on the wall. By the way, um, I can. Post. I think there's a picture. There was in my book, but I think online there's a picture of his basement, and it is crazy. When I say it's like every inch of the wall is covered in animal skulls and heads and horns, and there's bearskin rugs all over the floor, like it's insane. That's, it's, that's good because in the movie, I remember. I remember that was very accurate. The house was mm-hmm. just. Just, I mean, it was scary. Yeah, the whole house. <laughs> yeah. Like, not just his little sex ton dungeon. Yeah, I just basement. saw his little basement. Well, but I don't the know entire if it was house the whole in the house. movie was literally covered in skulls. There might have been a few upstairs, rugs, like in the main house, but I don't think it was like they did in the not movie. Not like his basement. I was like, yeah, because it showed his house and it just looked normal. 
Because Darla was normal, you know? Yeah. He wasn't, but she was. Um, she went to his house and she saw all of his hunting trophies hanging on the wall. She wasn't keen on having a sexual relationship with him, however, and the relationship kind of naturally fizzled out. But I can imagine after all this, after all was said and done, she probably felt like she dodged a major bullet. Yeah. I'm not talking about the survivor's guilt there. Yeah, absolutely. It's another one of those ones we talked about with like Ted where like this person dates him forever. Yeah, absolutely. Not, not this one just for a little while, but still dates him and finds out this dude murdered 30 people. Yeah, and he respected her. And this her. was in the middle of her his murdering. Yeah, thing. and he respected her when she was like, I'm not ready to sleep with anybody. That was like, oh, well, that's. You're a very respectable woman. That's I'm killing what people a woman sleep, should be. I'm killing people that <laughs> do this for money. Like, you're but then why did he, that? and that always baffles me because then why did he try to kill that 18-year-old real estate agent. I don't understand that. Uh, Susie Heppard. Well, he, I don't know you tried From to kill her. One. Yeah. He's going to rape her, He's going to rape her. The killing started with the sex workers. Yeah. He was just kidnapping her to rape her. So, now we're getting into where the movie comes into play. Cindy Paulson. Oh, Cindy. Vanessa Hudgens' character in uh, Frozen Ground. You can watch it on Netflix, by the way. Great movie. Now comes the well, uh, most well-known victim of the case. Absolute and, fucking badass. And the most badass, if I do say so myself. <laughs> she was the main character in the movie Frozen Ground. Vanessa Hutchins did an amazing job depicting her. So let's get into 17-year-old Cindy Paulson. Her story's rough, but it's necessary to tell, so trigger warning. Cindy Paulson was a 17-year-old dancer and sex worker living in Anchorage with her mother at the time. She was walking and working 4th Avenue. Remember the shady part of the Tenderloin District of downtown Anchorage, Alaska? Basically nothing but yeah. sex workers, strip clubs, unseedy establishments, mob, yeah. dealers. Very. It's just that it's that one part of town that everyone knows not to go, go to, to unless you were going there for something specific. Exactly. So Hanson drove up alongside Cindy and he propositioned her, offering her $300 for... Um, a blowjob, basically. Cindy was in need of money, and she agreed, and she got into his car. The two pulled into an abandoned parking lot, and it was there that uh, Hanson pulled a gun and aimed it right at Cindy's head, and he handcuffed her. Paulson would later say in police inter- in a police interview, As he had cuffed one of my hands, I was trying to get loose. Then he got my other hand cuffed. I don't know how he did it. It was just frightening. I fought, but not a lot because I knew he was going to do something. Which, it's, I want to say it's smart on her. Like, most of the time you just say you fight for your oh, life. Oh, she's very smart, here, yeah. Right? And I don't know if she was smart or lucky. A little bit of both. I mean, but she was I mean, brilliant, obviously, if she was yeah, sitting right here and I asked her, she'd say I was, I was purely lucky. But, yeah, you know, because in normal circumstances, you're going to fight. Like, fuck this. I'm fighting. She somehow knew... To not to fight a little bit, but not enough. Which we've seen in the history with him is if they fight, he just kills them. Yeah, right then and there. Yeah, she. So probably, the only reason he didn't kill her right then and there is because she didn't fight hard enough. Right. <clears throat> That's what I mean. Like I don't know if it was just pure luck that it was this guy. It was probably a little bit of both. Robert Hansen then drove Cindy to his home and led her by the arm downstairs to his basement. She noticed all of the animal heads adorning all of his trophies, adorning almost every inch of the basement and the bearskin rugs on the floor. It was obvious, she would later say, that he enjoyed killing things. 
I'm sure her heart sank as soon as she laid eyes on his trophy Did you room. That? Yeah. Like you've just been kidnapped and then you yeah. walk into that room and you're like, Fuck. It's terrifying. It's like walking into Leatherface's house. Hansen, um, this is awful. He then put a chain around her neck and attached the other end to a pillar like an animal. So she was chained up by the neck. Her restraints were just long enough to reach the bearskin rug where she was forced to get down on the ground. Cindy would be brutally raped both vaginally and anally, for hours. At one point, a hammer was shoved inside of her. Jesus. Once he was finished, her assailant gave her a towel to urinate on. He wouldn't even let her go to the bathroom. Like a respectable person. Then he turned on the TV and fell asleep for a few hours on the couch behind her. She scanned the room looking for a weapon or a way out. There was a pool table. She saw a pool stick, but she couldn't reach it. And then she was scared if she could reach it, would he just kill her? So she just opted not to do anything at that time. Um, there was just no way out. Once Hansen woke up, he walked over to Cindy and informed her that they were going to uh, fly out to his cabin, which is a lie. He said, and this is what Cindy said, he said, I'm going to treat you real special. He made her dress and he led her to his vehicle where he threw a blanket over her and made her lay down in the passenger seat next to him. They then drove to the airport where they parked next to a small plane. Cindy looked out from beneath the blanket and saw that Hansen had exited his vehicle and left the driver's side door open. He was trying to get the passenger seat up in the plane and she saw her chance. She jumped out of the vehicle in like the airport parking lot and ran for her life barefoot down a gravel road. Ow. Hansen was chasing her, yelling, I'm going to get you. Like people saw him running, screaming, I'm going to get you. I don't know why I just said ow because running down a gravel road. Oh, it hurts like hell, but she didn't care. I was about to say, thinking about what she's been through. It's like, whatever. Let me clarify that ow. Like, this is how the the sensation popped into my mind of running doing that. But after what she's been through, she's not feeling that. Yeah, Cindy said, she even said, uh, knowing he had a gun made me just run faster. Oh, yeah. She knew this was her one chance to live. However, there was nowhere to hide. This was basically, she was on a road now, and it was just open, open road. And he was too close for her, for her to outmaneuver him. But by the grace of God, a truck headed down the road directly towards Cindy. And she was like all too prepared for the truck to just not stop and to just be run over. And she was willing. Oh, yeah. But luckily, the driver screeched to a stop and let the hysterical young girl into his cab. And they sped off and he saved her life. He's a hero. His name is Robert Oot. Oot. Well, you know what? He probably noticed something was wrong with a chick running down the road barefoot and screaming. a guy chasing her. She's screaming, handcuffed. Mm-hmm. Uh, to add to the barefoot thing, she's so smart. She's She was wearing blue sneakers. And she would later say that she purposefully left those blue sneakers in the car and didn't put them on. So that it could be proven later that, that she was, was in that car. Maybe she just was she that smart. She was very smart. She refused to be taken to police, though, at the time. She thought for sure the police wouldn't believe her. She did agree for the driver to take her, though, to a nearby motel. And it was there that the clerk would call Alaska PD. They would arrive to find Cindy still cuffed and bound, barefoot and frightened beyond words. After they gave her a few minutes to calm down, Cindy expressed her worry that her attacker was going to do this to another girl. Reluctantly, 
Cindy agreed to be taken to a hospital to get a rape kit done. But on the way, they drove Cindy to the hospital, but on the way, they stopped at the airport to see if Cindy could identify the plane that she had seen, and she instantly did. Gangster right there. Police were able to trace it back to Robert Christian Hansen, the owner of a local bakery, two local bakeries that police frequented to get free coffee and free pastries. Yeah, to the same fucking dude that's been accused that was found guilty of rape and kidnap or attempted rape or rape and kidnap. Yeah, rape and kidnap. And he's been accused of this multiple times since then. Yep. Hmm. Coincidence? I don't think so. Now's a good time to take a little break and we will be right back. Now... Bob knew that it was only a matter of time before police were knocking on his door, so he had some work to do. Mm-hmm. He had to get rid of all the bondage chains in the basement and clean up all traces of Cindy. Next, he needed an alibi. So he called his neighbor and friend, John Henning, and he was like, dude, I got myself into a little bit of trouble. <laughs> um, basically, what had happened was... Um, I hooked up with this hooker, and she tried to griff me, and I just need someone to back up my story, like, if you're questioned. So the two men agreed on a story. Henning was going to tell police that Hansen had been at his house fixing an airplane seat from midnight until dawn. Because he was just thinking it was just, he got involved with a hooker, you know. Lo and behold, the cops arrived at Hansen's house and asked him if he'd be willing to go to the station for questioning. Hansen was like, yeah, dude, y'all are, my, y'all are my friends. I'll bring some free pastries and, yeah, we'll go and we'll have a chat. Yeah, Steve, how's the wife? I saw you yesterday <laughs> when you came in for a scone. Exactly. So he also signed a waiver before leaving, allowing his home to be searched. Like, he was so... Narcissistic. And... Yeah, and very just like, whatever, I have nothing to hide. Delusionally, I'm better than you. You're not going to find anything. I'm smarter than you. Yep. So he was super cooperative, what I'm trying to say. (laughs) Couldn't think of the word. It's it's the same thing we see with these guys. Like, Ted was the same way. Oozing narcissism. They just were so narcissistic, and they thought they were smarter and better than everybody. Yep. Like, yeah, dude, search my house. You ain't going to find shit. You can't find what I hid. They noticed that his home looked exactly as Cindy had described it, to the T, right down to the numerous trophies on the wall. Yeah, that's not a coincidence at Mm -mm. that point. Next door, Hanson's neighbor, John Henning, was questioned as well. He corroborated Hanson's alibi that he was at his house from midnight to dawn fixing an airplane. An airplane seat, I mean. So he couldn't have been responsible for the issue with the prostitute. This time, at least one of the detectives believed Cindy. Her story just added up. However, this is sad, but I get it. Cindy had stopped cooperating for the first time uh, with the police. That's, I mean, it's good to, to believe her, though. I really think, uh, well, but they're not doing a lot about it yet. No, but so if this I is think, the first time that someone's believed one of the prostitutes over him, just because of the pure fact that like she could describe the inside of his house to a T, and she was supposedly never there. And it was all, yeah. That's the thing. I really think since some of the men on the force took Hanson's side, it scared her. And she wanted to distance herself from possibly coming into contact with Bob again if she was ever arrested, which sense. I can totally understand. Makes sense. And two, they asked her to take a polygraph test. Not him. Not him. And she was like, fuck. Yeah, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the victim here. Well, if y'all don't believe me, I'm just... Ugh. You guys don't believe me. Those guys think I'm innocent. The only one of you thinks I'm telling the truth. Fuck y'all, I'm out. So, for the time being, Cindy's case was kind of in limbo. However, 
another body would be found by the uh, out by the Knick River. Finally, and here's your here's your boy, Pap. Detective Glenn Floth said, "Okay, guys, Anchorage PD is doing a shitty job, so we need to think outside the box here." This is where the FBI comes into play. Well, I mean, I think the FBI is like, okay, you've got 10 fucking plus murders out there. Let's, uh, so our turn. You're, you're gonna fangirl. If you're a true crime buff, which you probably are if you're listening to us right now, then you're probably familiar with a little Netflix series called Mindhunter. <laughs> you may recognize the name Roy Hazelwood. He was a real life criminal profiler that inspired this whole series. Like, he was, he was like, wasn't he the OG or the number two guy? He, so they were the two that started the FBI's behavioral. He was the pioneer in the creation of the behavioral science unit. Yeah, okay. And he specialized in sex crimes and hunt-driven killers. I had never heard that. Well, because they did um um the, the the first episode the first season of that show when they really started was what's his face. And they did BTK and too. The co-ed and, killer. Or yeah, they did. Was. Yeah. Um. Uh, yeah. Um. Big Andre the Giant looking dude. Yeah, um, Ed Kemper. Ed Kemper. Ed Kemper. So this is really interesting. Uh, he was a pi- he was the pioneer in the creation of uh, the behavioral science unit, and he specialized in sex crimes and hunt driven killers. In fact, he was the same guy to characterize murderers into being either organized or disorganized. We've talked a lot about that concept. Well. Hazelwood would create a profile for the Alaska PD, or Anchorage PD. And I want to read it verbatim because the accuracy is spooky. And this is... this is How would he know this? This is pretty much the guy that created all these profiles, and he created the profile for the disorganized killer, which was... Uh, What's-his-face? The vampire killer? It's an art, yeah. And then Ted, which is around the same time... Yeah, was one of the most prolific organized killers. And this guy's organized as well. And this guy's organized just like Ed Kemper was, just like all the ones they did. listen to his profile. Mm -hmm. Hazelwood would say, this was a phone conversation, so it's not written beautifully. (laughs) I'd say this guy is an avid hunter. He's probably into guns and being an outdoorsman. I'd say he is probably married to a very religious woman who has no idea what he's up to and is probably a very respectable member of the community and may even be his and may even own his own business. Mm, that doesn't sound like directly like a certain person. He may even have a speech impediment like stuttering that makes him feel like he is lacking and has low self-esteem and makes it hard to speak to people, especially women. You can't describe this dude to a better T from a stranger. Oh my god. Like, they just flat out said, bam. This is the entire first they basically, episode. They basically, he might, the first as episode well, the paragraph. might as well have said, it's Robert Hansen. So, Go get him, you boys. Went, you went through about 30 minutes of his childhood, and he just summed it up in a paragraph. Beautifully done. It's an art. It really is. Well, there isn't, like, um. It's a science. It's, it's a an art. science, it, but it really is. I mean, there's an art to the science. So, thanks to Detective Glenn and his progressive thinking, getting the FBI involved, uh, police were thinking that, okay, Hanson's our guy. Like, for sure, for sure. The profile fit him to a T, and they knew it. Detectives went back and gathered, this is cool, they went back and gathered Hanson's psychiatric and arrest records. This is when they found the fire in Iowa, back in Iowa, and all that stuff. But what they were really looking for is a search warrant right now. They want yep. to get another search warrant. Um, what they did 
was uh, in 1982, they saw that Hansen, so Robert Hansen made a police report claiming that all of his hunting trophies, so all of the animal heads, had been stolen out of his house. His insurance ended up paying out a substantial amount to Hansen, and that was enough to open up two bakeries for him. Like, it was a large sum of money. Oh, so now, I mean, now it's, now it's there was only one problem. No, it's the investigators and Cindy had seen with their own eyes that Hansen still very much had all of his hunting trophies. That was adorning every inch of his wall in his little that's basement. That's what I'm saying. That's straight up a whole bunch of things you can do there now. This gave police the chance to pin Hansen with insurance fraud, and it was more than enough, more than enough to attain a second search warrant. Well, now, of course you're going to get a second search warrant because the, cop, the judge is going to be like, uh, he has that in his house? Yeah. Go take evidence that it's in his house. Like, here you go. Search the whole house. So now we're getting to it, guys. This is getting juicy. It gets even juicier. Hang in there. So cops arrived for the second search at Hansen's house, determined this time. They're like, we, we're going to get you. This time, poor Darla and her daughter, they were there, as well as Hansen's mother, Edna. They were all present at the house. They were all very upset. As the house was searched, time went by without investigator, investigators finding anything. It was looking like another dead end, and they were just about to wrap things up when one of the searchers were up in the attic and amongst the uh, pink insulation foam, a custom-made gold arrowhead necklace. You may remember that necklace belonged to Sherry Morrow. It was, uh, and it was taken by Hanson as a trophy from their body, from her body. They found that necklace. Next to it was an aviation map covered in X's. 20 X's to be exact. 20. Yeah, and they, they have they have like 20 plus missing women. He just tried to kidnap another one, they think. They knew right away. They knew what each one of those exes represented. Yeah, you can't mistake that at that point. Oh, but it gets better. As investigators were leaving the house with their evidence, they are they're sitting pretty now. They got it. They were rushing back to the station. Um a very upset neighbor was outside waiting to speak to them. Joan Henning, wife of Hanson's friend John Henning, the dude who gave him the alibi, remember? Mm-hmm. She approached police and told them that her husband lied about Hanson's alibi <clears throat> to cover up a simple affair. But she, he had zero idea that Hanson was being looked at for murder. Yeah, so like she sees the cops like... Like, oh, shit. Scrubbing the house, <laughs> taking a whole ton of crap. Like, when cops come to the house, it's one thing. When one they start thing. taking a whole bunch of stuff out, you're like... Oh, this is bad. You're like, holy shit, did you just say to them that he was doing something else? Yeah. And she was like, oh, I ain't you, having this shit. No, so yeah. You come, just, probably dragging her husband out by the ear. Like, well, no, he was at work. She called her husband, and he came down to the house, and he was like, yeah, I'm sorry, I lied, but it was only because I thought he was just with a hooker and having an affair, you know? Yeah, they didn't think there was any kind of... He was just covering from, like, stepping out while his wife was out of town. With things not looking so good for Bob, police located Cindy Paulson, who had moved and changed her name out of fear of Hanson. They would eventually convince her, hey, come down, we're going to need you if if once we get him in court to testify. And she agreed. They had plenty of evidence to charge him, but they still wanted a confession. Like, it always helps when you have a confession. Well, if you got a confession, there's no ifs, ands, or buts. Yeah. Like, you, if there's no confession, you have to prove. they got enough evidence to clearly prove that this is the dude. But a confession just means you don't have to prove him. Like, he admitted to it. Exactly. That's it. Confession is gold. 
Hansen claimed his innocence. Like, he didn't do anything wrong. I'm just a baker. I'm, I'm Which we've seen him man. do in every um, one of his arrests prior to this. He's always just been like, it was never me. But then they slid the aviation map across the table, and he was like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> How do you explain a map of... Yeah. And hadn't... I don't know if you covered this, but had they already gone out to those X's? No. They knew a couple of those X's were where bodies were found. But, no. they ha- But we'll get there. We'll oh, get there. Okay. I was going to say, because they had to know that some of those bodies that they did find were mm-hmm. on those X's, which was like, okay, we really know what we got here. This is when he was like, okay, I killed some people. But I never meant to hurt them. It was the women's fault because they got out of hand. In fact, I even went as far as to blindfolding them so they couldn't see where they were going because I wanted them to live, you know? <laughs> anyway. Okay. But officers, they were like, okay, look. Will you come with us via helicopter to ID the locations on the map? And Hanson was like, only if you kind of lower the blowback so that it doesn't affect my wife and family. Like, you know, oh, you're concerned about that, not now. killing 20 plus women. You weren't concerned about them killing 20 plus women taking out singles. That's the How that's going to make your family feel. He so, probably just wanted the bakery not to get taken from them or something. He agreed. Officers would later say that out in the wilderness, once they flew him out there, he was in his element. Now, he was like shackled and cop, like cops were all over him. So he wasn't like out there walking around on his own. But as Hansen was showing them where the bodies were buried, he was a different person. Like, he was excited, he was confident, he hardly stuttered. Police said that he would run to an area where the body was buried. And he hadn't been to some of these grave sites in, like, 12 or 13 years, but he remembered exactly where they were. And that's a hunting thing. Like, you remember your locations. He would lead them to the bodies that first day of Tammy Peterson, Sue Luna, and Malai Larson near the Kinnick River. Over a dozen more women would be located by the end of the search. But unfortunately, there are so many murders that Hansen confessed to later on and their bodies would just never be found. So if you're doing the math, he showed police 17 bodies where they were buried. There were 20 X's on that aviation map. I think it's because he wanted to, and we've seen this with a few of them, like, uh, um, Keys, Israel Keys, they just want to keep the experiences to themselves, you know? Most likely, that's probably right. I don't know. Because you confessed to 17, why not just mention three more, you know? But how many weren't killed? Yeah, that's true. Well, I I think only the exes were where he buried them. I'm just saying it could have been in the beginning where he had taken someone. Maybe. Maybe that's where he took Cindy or one of the earlier ones. Or maybe that was where the unidentified girl was one, but they couldn't identify her. And but and there were some he just wouldn't admit to, like Celia, remember the one in the paper? Yeah. I think she was one of them. <sighs> this is upsetting. So he did. He confessed to 17, right? He would eventually only be charged with the murders of Ekletna Annie, Joanna Messina, Sherry Morrow, and Paula Golding. That's four. That's Probably it. based off of not <clears throat> just him saying it, but also like physical evidence they had. Right. On February 18th, 1984, Robert Christian Hansen was sentenced to 461 years plus life in prison for assault, kidnapping, theft, 
insurance fraud, murder, and rape. Yeah, so it sounds like he got four life sentences, and then he was also charged for assault, kidnapping. So that 64 is probably the insurance fraud, yeah. rape, kidnapping, and assault, and the four life sentences is yep. 100 years. He spent the rest of his, well, just one life sentence. Hmm? Just one life sentence. He was only given one life sentence? He was sentenced to 461 years plus life. Yeah, but usually for the for if he was if he was found guilty of four murders, he'd get life for each one. That's oh. what I'm saying. So that's why it's four hundred years. Oh, okay. They probably just said in all this stuff that he was found guilty for life in prison, but it was probably four counts of it. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. He spent the rest of his life in Spring Creek Correctional Facility in Seward, and he died of natural causes on August twenty first, twenty first, twenty fourteen, at seventy five years old. Unfortunate. He should have lived to be a hundred. He had been wanting to write a book to tell his own story. Of course he did. But thankfully, that never happened. They all do. He doesn't deserve to be heard. They all write their own mm-hmm. book. Or their mistress writes their book for him. I was curious to see like what happened with Darla, his wife. She obviously filed for divorce, but not until like two years after he was in prison. He, she stuck around in Anchorage, and she was still going to stick it out, I guess, but... Her daughter was being harassed in school, and she was being harassed. So they they up and moved. From what I gather, I think she ended up moving her family to Russia over uh, over to Russia to teach there. Which I mean, can you blame her? Like, nope. She's kept such a low profile. You can't. I would find be, her. That's how I would be. I'd Me too. Be I'd be disgusted. I would change every aspect that could be traced to him. Yep. <clears throat> Just and that's kind of like BTK too. His wife would, and we'll cover it. I mean, he spent what 20, 30 years more. Uh, just his wife thinking that he was a great well, father. I, it, his kids thinking he was a perfect dad. And yeah, for, for for people that don't know what you're talking about, like he did this same kind of thing for 10, 20 years, and then just wasn't caught for twenty more years or thirty years almost. In the end, Hansen confessed to murdering seven women and raping thirty other women. 17 women and raping 30 other women. That's a considerable amount of women. And what's more, I guess you can say impressive, for lack of a better word, is that he did this over the span of 13 years, which to me suggests just shoddy police work. 13 years is far too long for a person. In one place. Yeah, and that's what I was going to say. Far too long for a person of his level of depravity to run free in one isolated area, never moving around like Ted Bundy. Yeah, I was going to say, we've seen like Ted who was in like five different states. He was nomadic, yeah. But for Hansen to spend 13 years in the same city and killing girls with, like, effectively the same M.O., it's just a hard pill to swallow, and it looks really bad on Anchorage law enforcement, and that's just my take. <laughs> it, it does, too, because you think about Ted. Now, it was only, like, five or six from where he was from. Mm-hmm. But he did the same thing. Like, just because this guy flew him out to the tundra, eight, figure, figure eight lakes, Ted took him up to his mountain. Yeah. They did the same exact thing. But this was in one place at, like, literally 12 times the amount of people it's just between rapes and murders. Insane. Five, four or five times the amount of murders that Ted did in his area. He, I hope he's resting in hell. <laughs> he's just absolutely despicable. He's getting sodomized by a hook penis in hell. Well, he has it. I know. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Well, he sodomized and raped and murdered people. So hopefully he's getting the same done to him day out and day out down there. Yep. Absolutely. Getting sent to run through the hellfires of hell, but naked being chased by the devil or something like that. Who's about to kill him again? I'm good. I'm good with that. That works. 
That was dark. I'm so sorry. But I want <laughs> to I want to end this by and I don't want the last thing in your mind to be him. My my dark horribleness, yeah. And right. Pat's dark horribleness. I want the last thing in your mind to be the victim, so I'm gonna read off the seventeen victims real quick. Well, assumed that Celia it, it, he was never tied to her murder. She, he was, but he killed her. I'm confident enough to add her to the list. Celia, also known as Beth Van Zanten, Megan uh, Siobhan Emmerich, Mary Kathleen Thill, Akletna Annie, we still don't know her real name, Joanna Messina, Roxanne Eastland, Lisa Fitrell, Sherry Morrow, Andrea Fish Altieri, Sue Luna, Robin Pelkey, Dylan, also known as Sugar Frey, Paula Golding, Malai Larson, Teresa Watson, Angela Federn, Tamara Tammy Peterson. So those are his victims, and that is... This is, a, this is murder victims. His, yeah, his murder victims, or the ones that are missing and presumed dead. Right, right, right. Uh, added in, too. Not like Cindy Paulson and the others. Cindy Paulson. Very rape victims. She was a rape uh, The ones that are at least missing and presumed dead and have yeah. never been found, we're assuming that he unfortunately killed them. But yeah. that, so hopefully they can rest in peace in some way, but... Yep, now that... He can burn He's gone, hell. and he paid for his crimes. That is the story of Robert Christian Hansen, the butcher baker. Very little known story I've I've found. And it's it's surprising. It's not. I think it's because it was remote Alaska. Mm-hmm. It wasn't L.A. It wasn't nationally across the board. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean, it wasn't BTK. Yeah, Richard Ramirez and all these guys. It was right out in the boonies in the middle of the wilderness, and everyone's like, "That can't happen here." So no one, yeah, cared. no one cares exactly. So. I'm done with him. It feels good to be done with him. <laughs> yeah, he's a friggin' monster from another. He's a monster. But I'll post some pictures of him on our Instagram. And, um, yeah, let us know what you're thinking. If you have any recommendations, I always would like, I'm just kind of guessing what y'all want. But I've given, anytime y'all have given me recommendations, I've done them. So keep them coming, guys. Yeah, I put a poll up on the last one, uh. The Salem Witch Trials. The Salem Witch Trials. That was a things, fun episode. More things like that or just more straight serial killers. And we, the first, the next day we had a response. It's like, somebody wants more of these. And Courtney goes, yeah, that was me. I, was no, like, I respond. Oh. <laughs> so it was you that responded to our own poll. Cool. Thanks. Appreciate that. Sorry. Like, I just shouldn't have told you. Yeah. <laughs> I got excited and I was like, oh, it's you. Like, do you not want to do as many serial killers? I'm cool with that. It's just, let me know. So, yeah, if, if things you want to hear, if you want to hear the weird, the dark, the macabre, that's cool. If you want serial killers, if you want yeah, if there's gangsters, something, if you want whatever y'all supernatural. Want. Like, or is there something in your hometown that I can look into? Like, Yeah, we're both huge mob mob history fans. I'm a history buff You're a general. history buff. So I'm kind of am too. But, yeah. But we're both huge on like, you know, Bonnie and Clyde, Al Capone, all these If it all pans out, because life gets in the way, next episode is going to be historical. So I'm kind of excited about that. Well, a little off of, our beaten path. They've all been historical. I mean, historical. Ted Bunny was pretty fucking historical. Mm, this one's historical, historical. Like Salem's historical? Not that historical. Oh. Yeah. So we will see you back here next week. Thank you so much for joining us. We love you guys. Be good to each other. And uh, see you soon. <laughs>